Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast. It's the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's Western Canada's premier travel radio show, where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So we're slowly starting to see signs that the world of travel may start to open up soon, at least on the local and domestic level. And when travel does start to slowly open up, it appears that road trips will be the kind of travel most people will be looking at. So we'll talk about some of the 13 Canada road trips that will blow your mind. That's the title of a recent blog from the folks at Must Do Canada a little bit later on in the podcast. And one of the confusing things that's occurred during this COVID pandemic, as you may have heard, is getting a refund versus a travel credit for a cancelled flight. And one avenue to look at to help get you that refund if you're hitting roadblocks is with a company called AirHelp. So we'll replay a conversation we had a while back with AirHelp. But I'm pretty excited to start things out chatting with this gentleman. He is author, philanthropist, and founder of G Adventures, Mr. Bruce Poon Tip. He has a new ebook out. It's called Unlearn the Year the Earth Stood Still. You can download it for free at unlearn.travel. And Bruce Poontip joins us now to talk about it. Hi, Bruce. Hello. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your uh, ebook. It's free. That's a good thing. I like that. But it's uh, titled Unlearn the Year the Earth Stood Still. The Earth is still spinning, thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, certainly we're not moving much around it these days, are we? No, no. We've all been grounded. Um, and you know, and the book was really just uh, originally just writing a letter to travelers to encourage people to travel again, you know, as, as this pandemic was escalating. And then it just turned out to be this Instabook, you know, uh, relevant in the moment, you know, short, um, and I guess free. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. I like that. Uh, but, but you say about the book, it's a chance to reset everything. So what do you mean by that? Well, it turned, uh, you know, originally it was about travelers and, you know, inspiring people to travel. But then it started getting into the opportunity we have as a travel industry to reset our industry because um, we're all at zero. Like, you know, everything has stopped. Planes are grounded. Cruise ships are parked. The whole industry is just grounded. And we've created the, you know, the world's largest startup economy in tourism where we're all at ground zero right now. And we have a golden opportunity, I think, to reset travel and look at how we can do things better. Um, look at how, you know, where the industry was going, I thought was, was you know, quite dangerous in terms of, you know, bigger and bigger cruise ships, bigger and bigger compound resort detachment from destinations. Um, and I, you know, thought that this is an opportunity for us to, as an industry to look at the industry and, you know, see the benefits and the transformative side of travel and get a chance to reset and relook at everything. Mm-hmm. And how, well, when will we ever get an opportunity like that again? Mm-hmm. And kind of the philosophy of G-Adventures and yourself, uh, from what I gather, is that, you know, you, you look at a more cultural uh, aspect of it, putting, uh, or, or putting things uh, back into the uh, local economy, those types of things, more of a, of a philanthropist mm-hmm. approach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A social enterprise, right, well, where we create experiences for people in in consultation or in dialogue with local communities. And when, you know, extreme poverty kind of intersects with tourism, um, you know, we can create, you know, a transformation, a transforma- transformational experience for not only the customer, but for local communities. Um, because, um, uh, you know, we're, we're traveling to some of the most in need and poorest countries in the world, buying luxury holidays, but that money is not staying in the local economy and they're not benefiting. 
So as an industry and as a travelers, we're missing a great opportunity for travel to be, you know, a transformative industry that could be a great form of wealth distribution and alleviate poverty um, around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, easier said than done, than done, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, I've been saying just for 30 years, so this is nothing new. But, you know, the things that we've been saying can seriously be looked at, because I think coming out of this pandemic, or as we head into the, uh, you know, we haven't hit the bottom yet of the pandemic, um, you know, we have the opportunity to just rethink and reset, because everything is, um, has to be restarted. I mean, we're all, as I said, we're, we're all kind of looking and in hibernation mm-hmm. and waiting for people to travel. And there's an, a feeling that maybe this pandemic has also changed the mindset of people and how they want to, are going to want to travel on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on the, sort of the early restrictions that we're seeing now and maybe a, a conundrum uh, in the fact that, uh, well, for example, temperature checks at airports and uh, we're requiring people to wear masks on aircraft. And even we saw the U.K., saying that people who arrive there are going to have to go in 14 days of quarantine. I think if people mm-hmm. see the restrictions, and even IATA has done a survey uh, with uh, travelers saying if it is too restrictive, they're not going to bother. So you have this kind of conundrum mm-hmm. where, yeah, you want to make it safe, but you want you also want to make it you know, easy to, for people to get around, right? Yeah, I mean, it is the biggest challenge that we're going to face. I think everyone's at the moment focusing about borders opening, but our biggest challenge for sure is going to get people to fly and feel comfortable flying again. Um, you know, we've, we've had this golden age of being very carefree, booking flights. We never even would think of something like this. And now um, flying has become so much more complex for you know, different groups of people who respond differently to the idea of germs or flying with a mask or the hassle of it all. Um, so I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done and there's a lot of think tanks and, you know, everyone like in the Middle East, um, some of the Middle East carriers are testing finger fingerprint finger testing mm-hmm. uh, when you check in. And by the time you go through, through security that you have your results and you can guarantee and then you get put into a, a room with everyone who's flying on your plane and they only load people 10 people at a time. So you guarantee everyone on the plane. Um, isn't doesn't have coronavirus because of a rapid finger protest. So there's different things that are going to happen. And, you know, you're right. We can't make it, you know, scary for people to travel. But our biggest challenge is, you know, how we're going to get people comfortable again prior to a vaccine to get on a plane. Um, and uh, it's gonna, there's, there, I think it's going to be a combination of technology. Um, it's going to be, ta- you know, innovation, new ideas and you know, that's the opportunity and that the exciting part at the, at the same time of how we come back from this as an industry stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's G Adventures going to look like a year from now, six months from now? Because you do rely so much on that international traveler, don't you? Yeah. I mean, for us, um, we're doing all kinds of things. Our challenge is, uh, you know, we deal with very small scale operators in small communities and they're looking at us. Uh, for guidelines and a guidance on how we they get business back because they're so dependent on business for their survival. Um, so you know, it's we, we're we're looking at all all aspects of you know comfort on the ground. Like we you know kind of kind of incorporate you know um, local you know more private transport dis- certified disinfecting programs within small hotels and all surfaces and every night within vehicles. All of these kind of things we're all looking at now. Um, as well, offering people more flexibility um, based on the, the, the fluid situation of the whole you know, travel you know, industry at the moment. 
Um, and just like looking at, you know, how masks are going to be used, how we're going to create social distancing, how we're going to deal with the issue of, um, you know, safety with food. I mean, all of those things are being considered. I mean, we think, you know, we can put it together, but I think ultimately, you know, we can run these great trips and have everything done, but people still have to get in destination Mm. and the big challenge is still going to be flying. Exactly. Uh, interesting times ahead, that's for sure. In the meantime, while you're in isolation, you can read his free uh, ebook. Uh, it's at unlearn.travel, and it's called Unlearn, The Year the Earth Stood Still. Uh, the author is Bruce Poon Tip. He's a philanthropist and founder of G-Adventures. Uh, the G-Adventures website, by the way, is gadventures.com. Uh, pleasure chatting with you, Bruce. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, one of the confusing things that's occurred during this COVID pandemic is getting a refund versus a travel credit for a canceled flight. And one avenue to look at to help get you that refund if you're hitting roadblocks is with a company called Air Help. They specialize in getting refunds for canceled flights. And I actually had a conversation with Ray Della Rosa a few months ago. She is the head of social media for Air Help. Their website is airhelp.com, and here's a replay of that conversation for you now. Uh, so Airhelp, I guess the name itself kind of implies what you guys do, but uh, how long has it been around, and how did it all begin? So we've been around for more than six years, and basically um, our CEO was on a trip somewhere, and his flight was uh, canceled or delayed, and he was like, how do I get um, compensation for this? There was no one around to help him. He found out uh, as a European or uh, depending on which law you are in and what country, there are specific laws that can help you get compensation for um, flight disruptions. Um, and he figured out that there was no one else doing this. So he figured why not create a company to help others learn about their air passenger rights um, and help them claim compensation when possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a confusing thing, right? Because there's so many jurisdictions around the world and Canada here. we got some uh, new regulations that have uh, popped up that seem to be kind of confusing. But uh, I guess it depends on uh, where you're going, where you're landing and where you are, right? That is correct. Um, there are a lot of different laws I mean, I know that Canada is going to be having some new ones that are starting in December, and I think you already have a few mm-hmm. um, that just were, um, were passed. Um, so basically what AirHelp is trying to do is help other people know about their air passenger rights. So in Europe, there's one law called EC261. We've helped over 13 million people. Um, we've helped over 13 million people learn about their rights um, and claim compensation. So basically we want to help people in Canada do that as well because new laws, a lot of people probably don't know about it. So mm. we kind of want to help you do that. So how does it work? So basically um, the easiest thing to do is to go to airhelp.com, uh, plug in your information, and depending on the jurisdiction, where you were flying, what you were doing, um, we have actually some AI bots that help us to look at all these different flights to help decide which ones will be eligible and which will not be eligible and it looks at all the different laws from a lot of different countries Mm -hmm. Um, and basically it is a lot faster than if you did it yourself because we have all these robots looking through all this information and data and then once it's eligible um, we can take care of everything for you so that means um, all the paperwork um, if it needs to go to court we also do that Um, waiting online and telephone queues 
So basically, you can kind of just do it and leave it. And then um, if you don't win, you don't pay a fee at all. So it's basically almost a risk-free um, kind of situation uh, in terms of compensation. Is there a certain protocol that people should um, begin with uh, when it comes to getting compensation? Or should they just go straight to you and make it easier? I mean, of course, you can claim these all on your own. Um, but we basically did uh, a study on a lot of different cases, and we found out that almost half of valid compensation claims actually get wrongfully rejected by airlines in the first place. Mm. So you could claim it yourself, um, but then they could wrongfully reject you. Sometimes people will just get this email from them and they'll say, okay, it's not, it's not eligible, and they'll leave it at that. However, if we did it for you, if AirHelp did it for you, you would look at it say, okay, this claim is actually eligible, and AirHelp will fight for your rights on your behalf, and we'll take them to court if we need to. Uh, so now just using an example so people are kind of clear on, on this muddy water of depending on where you are, what airline you're flying with. Uh, supposing I'm on a KLM flight to uh, Toronto, or sorry, from Toronto to London, and I have a stopover in London, and then I'm going on to Frankfurt, for example, just using this as mm-hmm. an example. That, that uh, portion of, of once I land in London uh, and I'm flying in, within Europe, I'm under the, uh, the umbrella of the European air passenger rights. Am I? sort of getting the gist of that? So because it would be KLM, which is a European airline, and you're flying to a European country on a European airline, then yes, if your flight was disrupted, so delayed Mm -hmm. by more than three hours, or it was cancelled, or even if you were denied boarding, um, then you would be eligible for compensation. Uh, and, and this is where air help comes in. The question of, do I have a right to a compensation? Uh, the answer is, it depends, right? <laughs> right? Because it depends on so many different factors, right? Absolutely. There's the factor of um, the airline. I mean, especially in case of EC261 in Europe, the airline itself, um, how long it took until you arrived, and also the distance. Um, but I would really, really suggest that everyone goes to airhelp.com and check out the Know Your Rights section because 87% of air travelers actually don't know their rights. Mm-hmm. So only one in 10 passengers essentially knows that they have rights. Is there one sort of general thing that uh, every air passenger should know? I know there's a lot of things that they probably don't know, but is there sort of one that you can sort of recommend? Well, there's one that I think is pretty important. So... There's a lot of information on different countries about denied boarding. Um, So if someone, if the airline is asking you, does anybody want to volunteer Mm -hmm. to not be on this flight? If you volunteer, you would not be eligible for compensation. Or if they say, we'll give you a voucher for 100 euros, um, and then you sign something, then you also would not be eligible. It has to be involuntary. Um, So if you want to get compensation and your flight is going to be canceled and you need to get there, don't volunteer to, to be cancelled. Well, that's a good piece of advice. You can find more information on the AirHelp website. It's airhelp.com. And Ray De La Rosa is head of social me- media for uh, AirHelp. Uh, you've been helpful already, uh, Ray. appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Once again, that was a conversation we had with the folks from AirHelp a few months back. Their website, again, is airhelp.com.
So when travel finally does start to slowly open up, it appears that road trips will be the kind of travel most people will be looking at. So to give us some ideas on where to head out on that road trip, you might want to look at the blog titled 13 Canada Road Trips That Will Blow Your Mind. It's on the Must Do Canada website, mustdocanada.com. And here to blow our minds about road trips is Matthew Bailey. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of Must Do Canada. Hi, Matthew. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, before we start into some of these road trips, just tell me about Must Do Canada. Uh, what is it and, and how did it come about? So, yeah, well, I mean, it's a website about basically all the, the best things to do across Canada. And um, I actually started it in 2013 when we did a road trip uh, across Canada with my parents. Um, my dad's from Newfoundland and my mom's from Montreal, so I have family all over. And we did a, a road trip to visit everyone. But mm. at that time, it was just kind of a, a regular blog. I had no plans for it. And then in 2017, we did a big, a big project uh, where we went across the country for 150 days. And we made, uh, it was for Canada's birthday, we were going to do a, a documentary mm-hmm. about the experience, but we ended up instead doing a, a 12-part video series on YouTube, so one video for each province and territory. Nice. Uh, and then uh, the end video was like, like a what makes Canada special. Mm-hmm. And so after that, kind of we all of a sudden had more of an audience and our our YouTube channel became one of our, kind of fastest growing platform. So yeah, we started to go deeper into Mustard Canada and make it into more of a business. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I think uh, when you mentioned uh, taking a road trip for your with your family, I think that's such a Canadian thing, right? It's uh, For many families, that's a summer holiday. You hop in the car and go somewhere, mostly to, to visit relatives. But uh, interesting blog, 13 Canada road trips that will blow your mind. So blow our minds here. I don't know if we're going to uh, get to all 13 but let's uh let's see if we can uh stay a little bit local and close by and the one that always comes up Icefields Parkway this uh constantly comes up in in the in the top 10 always if not the top five or number one right yeah actually I, I remember the first time I it's, I mean I've been in Calgary for 15 years and I grew up in Fort McMurray so not too far away but uh the first time I did the Icefields Parkway was only about I think 2016 um, and I read about it actually in National Geographic. They they had ranked it as the number one road trip in the world. Um, and it is, I mean, it's, it's spectacular. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty amazing how many people haven't, haven't been on it. And it's really not that far away. I mean, you know, the, the drive itself is only about five or six hours. But, of, of course, you'd want to spend at least the whole day. Um, and then few nights in Jasper Banff along the way, but yeah, it's a spectacular journey. Mm-hmm. Well, I've done this, and you're right. <laughs> I think it's the old adage: it's it's in your backyard. You don't really pay much attention to it, but uh, it is a spectacular drive. It's one of those drives, and I guess that's with most of these drives. It's on your list here. It's something you're not in a hurry to to get through. It's not you know when you do one of these drives, it's take your time, stop, and and enjoy the scenery. Right? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to do along the way, too. I mean, I'm sure if you wanted to spend a, a, a week doing it and you're into hiking, at least, there's, there's lots lots to do. Uh, so now let's, uh, and I guess that's the other thing, too, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, one of these types of drives from Jasper to, to Banff, you can start one at one end or start at the other end. You're not really missing out, are you? No, not at all. And actually, like, it's, it's a nice drive in both directions, and it's funny how much it, it changes to see it. You know, if, uh, when you're driving north versus driving south, 
Um, although sometimes I recommend to people too, especially if they're from out of, out of province, you can do it as a loop tour as well and head, head to Jasper and then from Jasper over to Edmonton and then head down south to like Drumheller mm-hmm. and back to Calgary. So you can make a pretty varied, uh, varied road trip out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, again, going back, going back to the old adage, it's right in our backyard. Uh, and when you're going into the Drumheller area, very spectacular uh, scenery there as well. Uh, so what makes a good road trip in your mind, though? To me, it's more, more about scenery. Um, as much as I like cities and stuff like that, I'm, I'm more into, into the outdoors and the landscapes. <clears throat> so for me, it's having those really dramatic sceneries. So whether it's the badlands around like Drumheller or all the mountains around Banff and Jasper, that's something i like when i'm driving and to be able uh, to get out and do activities whether it's hiking or stopping to do some rafting or standing on a glacier anything like that i always think it's better to be the passenger though right probably yeah <laughs> you might want to switch yeah. off drivers once in a while so the driver can actually enjoy some of the scenery too but that's the whole purpose of stopping too right yeah exactly uh, what about Cowboy Trail? I think that for this one, uh, I, I've driven parts of it without even knowing it. Yeah, I've never actually driven the whole thing. And, um, you know, we were actually planning on making a video about it uh, in the spring, but I don't know if that's happening anymore. If it does, I guess it won't be till in July or something. But I've done the main part. I live around Okotoks, <clears throat> so it it comes near by, by here. But there's a lot of things to do on that trail, too. It pretty much starts up near Rocky Mountain House. Um, there's lots of things to, to do there, especially the the National Historic Site in the area. But there's lots of scenic stops along the way. There's cool uh, Wild West towns. And then as you get down towards uh, Longview, there's the Bayou Ranch. And mm-hmm. Well, it's also one of those things that the, the landscape changes so much. Like if you're starting up near Edmonton and coming down towards near uh, through the north area, and by the time you get down to Waterton, now you're into the mountains, right? Yeah, exactly. And and, and even some of the little side trips off it, like at Rocky Mountain House, if you just head uh, in like an hour uh, hour west, you're on the Icefield Parkway. Now if we want to branch a little bit farther to, to the west, uh, Banff to Vancouver, I've, I've gone as far as Revelstoke on this one along the, along the Trans-Canada, and that's as far as I've gotten. But I, I imagine the uh, scenery just is nonstop all the way to Vancouver, is it not? I've driven to Vancouver many times. I, I haven't stopped a lot along the way, um, other than, like you said, and like we've spent a lot of time uh, in Golden and in, uh, in, in Revelstoke as well. But yeah, it's a spectacular drive because you go through, I think it's five national parks. So you go, you go through Banff first, and then I think then it's Mount Revelstoke National Park, uh, uh, there's Glacier National Park. You can go through Kamloops, or you can actually do a l- little side trip down south to the Okanagan Valley, and, and then, of course, end up uh, in Vancouver, which is a beautiful city as well. So, yeah, that's a, to me, like as an overall road trip, that's probably one of the most varied in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you want to go just a little bit further, and assuming we can, <laughs> Vancouver yeah. Island, uh, I've been, oh, obviously I've been to Victoria, but I've never driven uh, Vancouver Island. What's that like? It's, it's, it's beautiful as well. And it's, it's I mean, of course, you, you never really feel like you're on an island. Um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's quite small, really, but when you're on there, like the drive from Victoria to up to like Tofino, I believe is about six hours or something. And that's, that's the main one most people do, but you can actually go all the way up north too. It's quite, uh, 
I think it's another 11 or 12 hours. There's not a lot up there. But if you re- really want to get off the beaten track, there's places to go. But yeah, we spent a week in, v- in Vancouver Island when we were there doing the video. And uh, we went snorkeling uh, uh, with salmon down the river. We went uh, we went on a whale watching tour and then another tour to see grizzly bears in the wild, eating the salmon out of the river. Um, of course, you can go surfing in Tofino, the Bouchard Gardens. So there's, there's lots to do there. And they actually have mountains as well. Uh, so any tips for uh, someone planning a road trip that hasn't maybe done it for, for quite a while? Of course, it, it, I guess it depends on the season. If it's in the, the busy summer season, um, you know, especially around Banff National Park, those kind of places, you might want to have your accommodation or your, your camping booked in advance. I know it gets pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Although that's one of the things I'm looking forward to this year, maybe. If, uh, if there's no international visitors. May not be as might... busy, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I, I suppose, uh, you know, you're talking about traffic and driving and those types of things. Uh, packing a lot of patience might be uh, helpful as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, like, I've got emails from people um, uh, from Europe asking me, like, you know, when you take a road trip that's 12 hours long, how do you how, how do you get gas? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, you know, with them, it's you can be in another country in three hours. <laughs> so it's a different experience. But no, all the road trips here are pretty easy like that. There's either it's towns or cities or gas stations mm-hmm. and hotels. There's, there's lots of everything, so <laughs> no worries. Uh, you can find lots of information on the Must Do Canada website, mustdocanada.com. And uh, Matthew Bailey is the founder and editor-in-chief of Must Do Canada. Uh, thanks for your insight, Matthew. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.